Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Hey, welcome back to Growing in Grace. It's always uh, wonderful to know that uh, we're able to share God's Word with you. And uh, what a blessing for us to know that you're listening in. So I would like to uh, point you today to the second chapter of Matthew's gospel. Second chapter of Matthew always leads me in the right direction each Christmas. Are you looking for direction, uh, how to enjoy Christmas? Uh, you know, one thing we forget is what was written right before Matthew 2. I get so busy sometimes I forget that Jesus' name is Emmanuel. How wonderful it is to know that God is with us. And that's what Christmas is all about. But sometimes we can get so busy with so many different little things we're trying to accomplish during the month of December, and uh, we just get stressed. And so I want us to come alongside of the wise men and follow the star to honor Jesus Christ. I think that this uh, chapter is so inspiring, but it also is very truthful in that it displays another choice that can be made each and every Christmas. Because we can, like the wise men, choose to follow the Savior, or we can make another choice. And that would be to follow the stress. And the stress is going to carry us further and further away from Christ. This chapter is going to introduce us to someone that I wanted to uh, speak about before I read the text. You know, many Bible scholars maintain that these wise men that you're about to hear, they were influenced across the generations by the prophecies of the Old Testament prophet Daniel. Have you ever read Daniel? It's a great book. I recommend it highly. If you check in the book of Daniel, you'll discover that the wise men were in the Babylonian and Persian kingdoms. Several references are found in Daniel. But Daniel was appointed as a chief over these Babylonian wise men. Daniel chapter 2, 48, and chapter 5, verse 11, they tell us this. And so what, what is most likely what most likely occurred is that over probably like a 600-year period, each generation of Babylonian and later Persian wise men, they kept on reading and perhaps they kept on discussing the ancient prophecies of Daniel that someday, someday there's coming a king and his kingdom will last forever and ever. Others say, well, maybe these wise men were influenced by another prophet named Balaam. You know, it's possible because Balaam was inspired by the Spirit of God to say something in Numbers 24, 17 that really kind of reminds you of what we're about to read in Matthew chapter 2. Numbers 24, 17, this is Balaam with the Holy Spirit giving him some insight. He didn't always let the Holy Spirit guide him, by the way. 
You should read him. He's a comical fella on some things that happened in his life. But he wrote in Numbers 24, 17, these words, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. That's what's going to be the stimuli for what we're about to read. And these wise men from the east are going to come to Jerusalem and they're going to stand toe to toe with the man who was supposed to be the king of Israel, a man named Herod. He was a descendant of Esau, not a descendant of Isaac. He was a bad dude in a foul mood. Herod the Great was the first in what was known as the Herodian dynasty. He was born in 73 BC and was named King of Judah, not by vote of the people, but by the appointment of the Roman Senate in 40 BC. He would reign for 37 years. And this man, I'm telling you, he was given to fits of rage and jealousy, leading him to feel paranoid that another would take his position. We're going to see the steps that Herod took towards stress, but we're also going to follow the steps that the wise man took when they followed the Savior. I hope you'll choose to follow the Savior. Let me read the text. It's Matthew 2, 1 through 15. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he? who has been born king of the Jews. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. When Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose 
and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Let me share with you just a few observations about this text. And I think it can help us to know, am I following the Savior this Christmas season? Or has something sort of put me off balance? And so rather than following the Savior, I'm just following stress. Wow. I want to encourage you to follow the wise men's example and follow the Savior. Look into the mirror of God's Word and tell me, which one do you most favor this Christmas? The worshipful wise men of verse 2 or the worried king of verse 3? I think this passage is going to probe us to see what's going on in our hearts. It certainly brings out to the surface what Herod was worried about that first Christmas. I think that these wise men who placed worry over worship, I mean, though, excuse me, Herod placed worry over worship. He took four steps in the wrong direction. And I think worry was at the center of it. You see, he was worried because he wasn't the center of the conversations. Verse two, he's asking, where is he? Seen, we've seen his star and come to worship him. Wow. They weren't, the wise men weren't asking, where's Herod? We've come to see him. They were saying, where is this other king that's just been born? I think he was also worried because he wouldn't be in control of the celebration. You know, they said, we have come to worship him. So he's not going to even be there. He was also worried because I think he would no longer wear the crown after the coronation of this new king. That's why he was saying, you know what? This bothers me. It says that he was bothered when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. That's why secretly it says he called the wise men. He wants to get this all wrapped up and behind him. He was worried. Are you worried? Has something blocked your focus on Jesus Christ uh, this Christmas? You know, these wise men were the opposite. Rather than placing worry over worship, they placed worship over worry. Man, that is such a different uh, perspective. You know, I think that these men... Rather than following distress, they focused on the Savior. They focused on the Savior and not on the setting. They were so willing to travel so far just to make sure that they had uh, this new king in their, uh, on their radar. They remained true to the scriptures rather than giving in to suspicions. They expressed worship from the Spirit, not the staleness of just mere rituals. Their worship was accompanied by sacrifice, not surface level commitment or selfishness like Herod. There's such a contrast between Herod and these wise men. These wise men were definitely saying, we want to know where Jesus is. I think that's a great question to ask as you go into this season, getting closer and closer to Christmas Eve and Christmas, is to say, where is Jesus? I want to worship him. I want to put my focus on him. So rather than 
your focus being on, say, decorations, which there's no problem with decorations. There's no problem with buying gifts. But if we're driven and stressed only by buying gifts, or if we're so stressed about our schedule that we can't even see the Savior, then we're, we're just almost following in Herod's footsteps. I remember when I was a college student hearing for the first time the problem with a, a body of water that is located in Israel called the Dead Sea. You see, the Dead Sea is the lowest place on earth. It's about 1,388 feet below, I did say below, sea level, and also has the highest salinity level of any body of water on earth. It's got about 8.6 times more salt than the oceans. I'm saying it's a salty place. But there's a problem with it. And the problem is the Jordan River feeds the Dead Sea, but the Jordan River and all that water flowing into the Dead Sea, it doesn't go out. It only gets or receives. It has no branches running out of it. I think that's why it's called the Dead Sea, because things simply cannot survive in there because there's nothing fresh about it. It's so different if you were to go upstream, up the Jordan River, until you came to the Sea of Galilee. Oh, it's so full of all kinds of fish and lush plants and so forth on its shores. Why? Because it gives, because it receives the water's coming from the mountains, but then it passes it on down through the Jordan River and it goes down to the Dead Sea. You know, Herod, his problem was that he was choosing getting over giving. I think Christmas is a wonderful season for giving, for sharing, for being generous and so forth. But Herod, you know, he had a different mentality I would call it an entitlement mentality that was in overdrive. When you read verses 3 through 7 in this text, you get the feeling that he was greedy for more and more. Isn't it enough that you already live in a palace? Isn't it enough that you have all of these resources at your disposal as the king? It wasn't. He wanted more. I think he was also guilty of manipulation. You see, he wanted to tell the wise men, hey, when you find the baby, you come and tell me so I can go and worship him. I think from the text, the truth comes out. He was not uh, wanting to go and worship the baby. He wanted to kill the baby. He wanted to eliminate him. And so he was guilty not only of greed, but he's also guilty of this manipulation. He was so, so grumpy because he was trying to micromanage his whole world. And I don't know if you've learned this yet, but we just can't micromanage the whole world and other people. That's something only God does. And so here he is trying so hard to control what these wise men do. But in verse 16, which I didn't read, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. 
Isn't that sad? I mean, how far will someone go in taking rather than giving? It's just so sad when you see someone like this. And so definitely we don't want to follow in these footsteps of Herod and be someone so focused only on getting. Wouldn't it be great if when children go back to school, they say, what did you give this Christmas? I think that would be an interesting discussion. But when you look at the wise men, they didn't choose to get, they chose to give. They chose giving over getting. And so when I read these verses about them in verses 10 and 11, where it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Wow. Do you hear what it's saying about these men? They gave so genuinely. They were telling the truth when they said, we've come to worship him. They gave not only genuinely, but they gave gladly. It says there was great joy. There was nothing that was forced or demanded from these men. These men brought these gifts and said, I gladly want to worship and honor this new king that has been born. And so they gave generously all of these different kinds of gift, gifts, ranging from gold, then frankincense, then myrrh. And it's interesting how they gave all their gifts to Jesus, to the Son of God. Wow, someone has uh, noticed the significance of the three different kinds of gifts that were brought. For example, they said, well, gold was a gift for royalty. In those times, very few people owned any gold. And so this was a gift that was fitting for a king. But then when you go to frankincense, it was a gift of a priest. It was used by priests back then in their worship. It's mentioned often in the Old Testament. And almost always, whenever frankincense is mentioned, whether it's Leviticus, Numbers, or Nehemiah, it's almost always used with worship. So how cool is it that they're bringing frankincense as one of their gifts, one of their treasures that they want to present to him? Perhaps you're saying, what is that frankincense? Well, it was a gum-like substance taken from a tree in Arabia. But then we come to their last type of gift, myrrh. Now that one would have been a strange gift. Myrrh was a gift of suffering and death. It was offered to Jesus while he was on the cross in Mark chapter 15 and verse 23, because it would numb their pain so that if they were suffering, they wouldn't experience it. And then there's Nicodemus who brought frankincense to anoint the body of Jesus, according to John 19, verses 39 and 40. But I guess my point is that these wise men were choosing to share and to be generous, to give. I pray that God will show you someone that you can share with. Yesterday, I was talking to a man and there was a lot of need there. And so I was able to help that man. And I did it gladly. I wanted to do it for God and generously. But what is it in your life? Is there someone there that you would say, okay, 
I believe God brought them into my life for a certain reason. And that reason is that you could help them in some way. Well, let me close with one last person. He's not one of the wise men, and he's definitely not King Herod, but it's Joseph. Joseph and Mary, they were there at that uh, time whenever these wise men bow down and worship uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice what it says in verse 12. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And now when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. So the Lord warns the wise men in a dream and says, I do not want you men to go back and tell King Herod where the baby Jesus is. But then he tells Joseph, Joseph, I want you to rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. I got to thinking about what that would be like for him. What if that wasn't what Joseph had in his mind? What if that was not the plan that Joseph, as the leader of his household, he's trying to be a few steps ahead. And so now they've had this uh, baby. And so there they are, uh, you know, in Bethlehem. But I wonder if he is a great example of following God's will over our own will, God's will, God's way over our way. You know, when I looked at it, I thought, here's Joseph willing to change his plans. What if over the, the concluding weeks of December, God changes your plans? Are you open to that? Would you say to God, not my will, but your will be done? That's what the baby Jesus would say many years later when he would grow into a man, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he knew that the Father's will would mean suffering for him. He was willing to change his plans. Joseph was willing to allow God to direct his paths. You know, whenever God instructed Joseph to take the baby down to Egypt, have you looked on a map how far that would have been? I mean, most people feel that Joseph traveled by walking and he had Mary up on a donkey. So if that's the case, can you imagine going from Bethlehem of Judea all the way down to uh, Egypt? Some Bible scholars say he would have traveled at least 75 miles, 75 miles on foot, 75 miles on the back of a donkey for a lady. Wow. But he only went to Egypt for one reason. Remember what that reason was? God told him to go to Egypt. So he did it. And I'm thinking, wow, he placed God's will above his own will. Joseph was willing to change his plans. Joseph was willing to allow God to direct his paths. And so you know what I also think Joseph was willing to do? 
I think Joseph was willing to trust the Lord with his problems. What was the biggest problem that Joseph had? Wouldn't you think it would be Herod? <laughs> I would. Definitely Herod. That's why God's telling him he needs to leave, to go down to Egypt. Well, there's no problem too big for God. God's able to take care of whatever problem that we face in life. That's why we should say, Lord, this Christmas, I want to stay in your will. I want to follow your plan for my life. Lord, I want to be someone who gives, not someone who takes. Lord, I want to be a man who places worship and trust and faith over worry. Because really, Jesus would say later in Matthew 6, that worry doesn't accomplish anything. Worry only takes from us, whereas worship and faith and trust and obedience, this is the definite way to uh, enjoy the Lord's goodness. I'm just so glad that Jesus said he didn't come to, to do his own will. He came to do the will of the Father. And that's why he died on the cross as a substitute for, for us because we would never have been able to be in God's family apart from Jesus' sacrifice. I'm so glad that he was willing to lay down his perfect life, perfect life of obedience to the Father's plan just for us. To me, he's worthy. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of whatever gifts that we want to share uh, with his work. And he's also worthy that we would say, Lord, I'm going to follow your will. I'm going to trust you and obey. Why don't we pray that all of us, and I'm putting myself in there as well, that all of us stay focused on the Lord as we go through this Christmas season. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to follow the Savior and not follow the stress. I thank you for all the different fun things, the great opportunities that are ours um, during the Christmas season, during the month of December, there's so much to do. There's so much to enjoy. Uh, but at the same time, it can be distracting. And so help us, O oh Lord, like these wise men of old, to stay focused, to stay focused on how we want to worship the Savior. And we want to give to Him our lives. We want to follow Him, just like Joseph said, whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do it even if it's different than what I had in mind. And so help us, O Lord, as we go through this Christmas season to honor your son. It's all about him. And so thank you. And I pray that others would see Jesus in us. May we be a reflection of your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Growing in Grace. I pray that God has blessed you. And I pray that you have a very Merry Christmas. God bless. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.